for 25 years. Nothing has tasted better after a hard day's work than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. It's because since day one, Mike's has been making lemonade the hard way. We use three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked from family farms, then blended to perfection in cold press to create the epic hard lemonade you know and love. Mike's Hard Lemonade. Hard days deserve a hard lemonade. Mike's is hard. So is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium all beverage with flavors. All registered trademarks used under license by Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May of 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. Side stories. That's when the cannibalism started. Side, Side stories. stories. <laughs> yes. Yo, Kissel, what's up, bunny? Dude, you sound so cool now that you're in Pittsburgh. You're like a cooler guy. You know how it is in Pittsburgh, me and the artiste, um, and the guy that called me a pussy um, <laughs> for having a seven-pound dog on the street, and I was wearing Natalie's winter hat. Because I lost my winter hat, uh-huh. and apparently at this stage of my baldingness, I don't have enough of the fibrous hairs above uh-huh. to keep the skull warm. You know what? I'm going to have to agree with the drive-by insulter. I get it. <laughs> I get where I get where he's coming from. I'm a father. That's true, of a seven-pound dog, which is cute. Not, hey, man, kids start at seven pounds. That's true. They can. We. I wanted to take Molly's baby. We were just recently in Marcus Parks' wedding. He did it. Yes, he did so it. So now it's official. He's, they are they are married. But I really wanted to take Molly's baby and see how she weighed in comparison to Wendy. Right. But she didn't want me doing all that, like acting like her child's like a cantaloupe or a bunch of veal. Right. No, I, I think that that makes a lot of sense. Of course, Molly Neffel from the great show Page 7. Make sure you check out Page 7 whenever you have entertainment information needs. Welcome to Side Stories, everyone. I am Ben Gissel, hanging out with Henry Zabrowski. And Henry, you alluded to it, but now we must say congratulations to Carolina and Marcus Parks. They got married, and it's unbelievable. It was a beautiful wedding. I it was really fun because I, I got to officiate the wedding, and you so did. I put a lot of work into writing the actual ceremony yes. because I knew I couldn't disappoint Marcus. Marcus doesn't leave any any sort of sweat on it on a table. Can I say that he puts it all on the dance floor? He puts when it, it comes on the to dance research floor, yep. and fucking preparation, right? So I wanted to create a hermetic magic ceremony for them. So what I did was I I read two books in the process of writing his notes. Oh, my. Which was dumb. We do everything the hardest way possible. Yeah. But I sat and I cobbled together a ceremony from Aleister Crowley's uh, Lieber 15 and the Gnostic Mass 
and the mass from the Church of Satan. Hmm. I stole these things. And what's best part is that none of his family has any clue because they did it in the hermetic fashion of doing it within symbolism. But the one thing I did cut, which was a big thing, because I, I asked for their, you know, I wanted them to give me their approval well, before we were, I moved we were, ahead with anything. Yeah, we were going over your notes. We were driving back. We weren't, we weren't driving back. We were sitting on a train. Coming back from Washington, D.C., going over some of your notes. Also, thanks to everyone who came out to the Death Becomes Us Festival in Washington, D.C. for the live side story show. That was a thrill, and it was wonderful to see everyone. But now, you were talking to me about some of the lines that were in um, in your speech originally, and then we had to remember that Marcus's family, they wear cowboy hats. They're real Texans. They're great They're people. They're real Texans. But I do feel They're like a Texans. few of those lines would have gotten you beat up. Well, no, what was nice is to feather it in as you go. So there was one part that um, I, I decidedly cut, which was in Alistair Crowley's wedding ceremony. The bride is supposed to piss into a bowl oh my. at the top. She was to piss into a bowl, and then beforehand, she's supposed to either her or a chosen member of his groom's party, and okay. this is completely true, is supposed to jerk the groom off to commutation, right, until he spurts into a little cup, and then you go and take a little bit of his jasm and hopefully some menstrual blood from the bride, and you mix it together with what we've described before is these things called either angel cakes or these things that are like little discs mixed with flour and cum right. and blood, and you use that, and you're supposed to eat and drink of the piss during the ceremony. I'm pretty and sure— I decided to- yeah, I'm, I decided to cut all that because this wedding wasn't in France. Right, yeah, that's a good point. I'm pretty sure that's what Haddon Clark does for every single meal. That's very interesting. <laughs> so you decided, Making your own food. You decided to cut that part out. I mean, honestly, it would have made for a very interesting ceremony. I'm not sure who Marcus would have appointed to jerk him off, though, because his two of his groomsmen were his brothers, so they're out, because this is they're not out. a Pornhub world. So it would no. be me or Colin. And Colin Ooh. is one of his taller friends as well. I'm the tallest now, friend. Colin's the second tallest friend. Colin's a big union guy, which is great. But he reads a lot of books. He's got kind of grippy, kind of well. He's got. He's got. Can I say this? He's got working man hands. If, if he is a union guy, he might be super into jumping in and taking care of it because technically, it's like we're all union members at that point. If you're part yeah. of the groom's men's party, sure, you're one giant company in a way. But I, because I don't know. And I'm not insulting you, Kissel. No. But I don't know if you could make Marcus come. I, d I don't think that I could. I don't know. Because I, mean, I, know I, have, I have big paw hands that are full of, you know, a, a series of fat. It's, got a, it's, got, it's soft, so maybe he could close his eyes and pretend it was just a really bizarre uh, vagina. But, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it could feel like two especially large butt cheeks wrapped around his penis, but like without the whole part of it. Yeah. I could see that or a bunch of ham. Um, but also, I know because of the meds that Marcus is on that sometimes it takes him a long time. Yeah, well, hey, that's the story of the entire podcast. Um, and you are not a patient person. No, I, I am patient. So I think you'd start jerking him. You start jerking him off and jerking him off and jerking him off, and then he's just like, when he's not shooting, and you're like, what am I fucking doing wrong here? Right. Well, oh, so like you're not gonna come for me, right? You know, and then Marcus is gonna have to describe it's not just you; it's even also with my beautiful bride. Yeah, you know what I mean. Well, it's that got is... to do with the the drugs that I'm on. Yeah, I guess it was better to cut it from the ceremony. <laughs> That's what I get. Yeah. You know, no, that was a smart about... move. Now that we really just... think about it, I'm very good at reading a room. 
Yeah. I'm very good at it. And so I know that, yes, maybe one in five of the people in the room would love to have watched Carolina P into a bowl. <laughs> but again, they are also allowed, not allowed to say it out loud. Well, now that that's Marcus's wife. Now it is. It's my wife. You that's my wife in there. You can't say anything about it. Well, you know, we can talk a lot about what's been going on in the world, though, because this is side stories, as I said earlier, and that's what we do. We, we edutain. So, yes, congratulations, Marcus. Congratulations, Carolina. They're going to have a beautiful child. They're doing it. And better. it's going to be the first, last podcast. It's going to be the first. Well, actually, the, the third, because Molly has two. Yes. So it'll so be. So it's not that special. It's well, it is still special. It'll be Marcus's and Carolina's first, so that'll be very special. But if they have this kid, I mean, it better be attractive because life really is difficult when you start off ugly. You well, know, you and I both know what happens is you have to develop a skill, which is hard one, and you got to get out there and you got to develop a skill, or you end up pucka 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 pucka. You know, like lighten up a couple auditoriums, or yep. lighten up a university, or lighten up your office, only simply because you couldn't figure out your hook. Yeah, that's true. You got to figure it out because the world ain't gonna figure it out for you, and it just yeah, gets, right. it gets harder and harder every yeah, right. single day. Well, that's All right, not here necessarily we go. true. But we have. Let's talk, uh, Henry. <laughs> it's not we, necessarily true. Not necessarily, <laughs> it's not true. necessarily true. What do you want to start with? Do you want to start with this Mormon story? Because this Mormon story is like, what are you thinking? So this is the story of a the brutal killing of three American women and six children Jeez. in a caravan of SUVs that were going from one Mormon enclave to another uh, down in the in, in northern Mexico, yeah. which is right now in the middle of a massive war. Between the cartels and everyone there, the Mormons now kind of become found themselves in the middle of it, or did they put themselves in the middle of it? So I think the, a lot of people, as soon as they heard this story, they're like, "What are all these Mormons doing in northern Mexico?" I've never heard of Mormons in northern Mexico. It was just it was the farthest thing from my mind. But evidently, when they when they broke up, a lot of them were like, "We're going to Mexico," and then that's where all the trouble started. When the schism happened, uh, when Utah decided to finally name uh, polygamy to be illegal, and, right. and and that kind of that moved the LDS into the two sections between the LDS and the FLDS, a chunk of them, the Baron family in particular, moved to Mexico and started mm. uh, a family and started many uh, gigantic polygamous movement there. They they want to say there's anywhere between a thousand to five thousand. Mormons living scattered throughout northern Mexico in these giant communities. Okay. Now, it seems to be... Now, I'm just going to kind of brush the surface of this because it's a little bit more complicated. The, the Daily Beast does a good article on it, and so does the Washington Post, kind of breaking down the fact that it seems they, they, these groups of families... They were murdered by an organized crime group called Los Huagares. Oh. Um, the group's leader, Arvizu El, Wag El Jaguar, or El Jaguar Marquez, he ordered the hit, apparently. So this is the official line. Okay. They mistakenly thought that the Mormon caravan was a caravan from another opposing cartel. Yes, that's one of the things that they're saying, because they drove yes. in the black SUVs, very similar to what the, what the warring cartel would drive in. Yes. Now, Which El, don't you think, El though, Henry, Henry, don't you think that is one of those things, though? You know for a fact you're in cartel country. There's movies about it and television shows. They why don't watch them. But uh, that's they true. They don't watch them. They should, though. But why would you drive in the same SUV 
as you know for a fact that cartels use. Because, you know, uh, Henry, here in New York City, you know, you know what you don't see? Yellow cars. Because everyone thinks, oh, that's a taxi. That's not a car. Even if yeah, it's a very just nice pisses car, all over you're your like, why would you do it? Yeah, he throws a yeah. milkshake at your fucking driver's seat window because he thinks you're fucking driving a cab and he's got a vendetta against all cab drivers. Why not? So why would they choose to drive in the black SUVs? Four-wheel drive. Also could have so. been one great dealer. All it takes is one great dealer to move these SUVs to everybody because this whole thing is like, I do not serve any side. Everyone should have a comfortable SUV. That's true. Um, but El Jaguar's outfit it is a splinter cell of the Sinaloa cartel, formerly run by Joaquin El Chapo Guzman, Ooh. which is now, I guess, run by former Lieutenant Ismael El Mayo Zambado, which is fun. So it's run by Ed Larson. The Mexican version of Ed Larson. <laughs> I <laughs> love fat. it. Ed Larson from Brighter Side. <laughs> Check out the show. Got your fucking ass. But the problem is that he has been listed as the guy that isn't part of the El, El Juagares, Juaguar Marquez. He is characterized in a news report in news reports as an alcoholic cuckold. So there's Whoa. a lot of people that believe that there's massive fighting between the inside saying that El Juagares are basically kind of gone rogue. And they are kind of super undisciplined, which is why something like this happened. Well, I suppose when your leader is an alcoholic cuckold, uh, that might not be the best when it comes to organization, when it comes to making sure that people stay in line because they can just be like, yo, Jaguar, I'm just going to call the guy Jaguar. I just had sex with your wife in front of you yesterday. And now and you're going to be like a really irresponsible. Can you imagine irresponsible it is to be the leader of a cartel and then your wife has cuckolded you? Wow, right? that's, you, that's crazy. What can you do? Because then you appear to be weak. Yeah. So what happened is that what they're saying is the breakdown here is that there are two groups that are fighting around the town of Agua Prieta. And that they apparently they made the El Hawagares pull up this big announcement saying anybody who's traveling between these points is subject to inspection and probably going to be murdered. Okay. Yeah, so there's discrepancies in the official reports. Apparently there's two different attacks. Right. It was one at 9.40 a.m. and one at 11 a.m. And also apparently one of the witnesses which was a little kid that escaped from one of the suvs came forward and said that one of the women inside of the suv stepped out and said hey we are actually uh just traveling with women and children here and one of the members of the cartel walked up to her and shot her point blank in the face Jeez. but, but what it seems like is that there is a massive water battle like the LeBaron community has grown significantly larger while the cartels have kind of come up against them. Now, the, the, the LeBaron community, I'd say, uh, against most human beings' advice, have become a little bit of a whistleblower community against the cartel's activity to the Mexican and the U.S. government. And that's the, so, and that's the Mormon community. The LeBaron community is in—that's that's Mormon town. That's Mormon town. Okay. They are t trying— to like basically tattle on the cartels, Whoa. which made uh, so the first time they did it, the cartel showed up and said, "Hey, they gave them a warning." Okay, said, don't do this anymore. <laughs> that's what we have. Don't to, do this anymore. That's what we have to do when it comes to someone being perhaps on acid at a live show. You get one yes. warning, and then you got to go because you're seeing us as like alien figures. But then they kidnapped the head and the like vice president, the co-head of the Baron community, and beat him and tortured him to death, and left him on the front porches. Right. Ah. So then they they kept being whistleblowers, which was that was one part of it. But the other part of it oh is that my they goodness. the so this is where the Lebarons got their white hat on. 
where the Barons kind of have their black hat on is that the LeBaron families are also up against a farming collective that's called El Barzón. Now, El Barzón is just a, it is a, a normal farming community that is also tangentially connected to the cartels. Okay. It seems like they have been playing the I drink your milkshake game with the El, El Barzón, the, the, the LeBarons. They are taking water from these farming communities in order to grow a bunch of shit that don't normally grow in the desert. They're okay. growing like uh, walnut trees and they're doing all the shit because their big thing that their their major export is very like honey and walnut oil. This is the stuff that they make on the in the communities in order to sell and well, make money. And I'm sure the Mormons make great walnut oil. I'm sure that's incredible walnut oil. But it seems like they are really messing with two powerful forces. You got your farmers who are going to be uh, pissed off you're taking the water. And then, you know, the cartels, I don't think we're speaking out of turn here when we say they do some bad stuff. What? You, yeah, they do some no. bad stuff. I know. No, it's, it's, I, no, if you're listening, cartels, thank you for the your bravery. <laughs> your bravery in Mexico. But the one thing you should not do is go into their area, northern Mexico, and then start snitching on them. I'm not blaming the Mormon family. Obviously, it was horrible what happened to them. But it just seems like sometimes you got to assimilate to the culture. And in this case, the culture <laughs> is cartel land. And you're well, just going to want to sort of like, I don't know, not step out of line because they'll they, kill you. They essentially grew up together. Mm. That is what that's what you're seeing here is that they've been there since the 1860s, the Mormons. Mm. So it's weird is that the cartels and them just kind of naturally have grown to a point where one of them's got to go. And Ugh. I don't think, I'm going to say this, I don't think that the Mormons are going to be able to outgun the cartels. No. I feel like there is a discrepancy of power here. And I think the cartels might have the upper hand because they did have, there's a whole story here about members of the Liberian community they uh, a bunch of farmers came to attack them because of their uh, dropping illegal wells onto property that's not theirs to steal their water, and they shot at them with a bunch of rifles. Jeez, all but right. But they have old timey rifles. The cartels are killing them with the AR-15s. Yeah, and they have rocket launchers. Yeah, the cartels. You know, Machete was sort of a documentary when it comes to how much weapons the cartels have. Uh, I think that you're right. I think the Mormons are going to be slightly outgunned. And again, this massacre was three mothers and six children. Good lord, the cartels—they don't mess around. So now, nah. because everyone seems to be upset with the Mormons, which is the story of the Mormons lives basically yes um, yes, yes people are like we're out of here so uh, at, at this point around 150 people have left the village that rep that represents about 60 percent of local residents so it seems like once again a tale as old as time the mormons are back on the run and hey man they, and they don't move fast because it's all by cart yeah it's hard or black suv which i don't think they should be driving anymore man if they just flip it to a nice like a, you know, a green don't go green SUV. Sure, anything other than what looks like a cartel member is driving, because then you, you are going you to know get what? killed. We were looking at those Rav fours. Is that right? Yeah, that's what you got to get out there. Is a couple of sensible hybrid Rav fours. I agree, and that's good to go hybrid because we've got to get off the fossil fuels. Gotta get off the fossil fuel. We have a fossil fuel addiction. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. 
It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it. But guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. I I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine, and it's an addiction. It's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins as soon as I wake up. And a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp. H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So this is a quote. This is a quote from 
uh, Taylor Langford. He is a relative of one of the victims. He says, it's devastating. It's a horrible feeling that our life's work, our life savings can be taken from us like that. He goes on to say, a lot of us are, a lot of us are at the point where we'll leave it, we'll abandon it for all of the safety of all of our families. So it looks like the Mexican cartels, they sent a message, and that message was heard loud and clear. And these cartels, again, uh, six kids and three uh, mothers, women, sisters, daughters, three women were murdered. Um, Get out of there, Mormons. I guess, just honestly, you can, you know, the Mormons, maybe, do you think it was a cuckold situation with Jaguar? Do you think he was going over there, messing with some of the, watching Sister Wives? Maybe he, maybe he watched Sister Wives and was like, this is the single greatest thing of all time. Maybe I'm going to go over there and try to cuckold some of these Mormons or be cuckold by them. I just feel like it, it would be better if he just went and joined them. Yeah. But also, they say, yeah, because then he's like, then my wife cannot be belong to anybody else because spiritually, if I marry her, she belongs to me for all eternity on Kolob. Yeah. Okay. Well, there it is. Be careful out there in northern Mexico. That's the lesson on yep. this week's side stories. I think about that all the time, just how careful you got to be in northern Mexico. <laughs> you do. Yeah, buddy. I mean, I, that's why, I mean, we have yet to visit. No. But we will one day. One day. And I hope to entertain the cartels with some of my finest songs and dances, and I'll wear a little jester's cap yeah, just just to see what it's like, just to get on the inside. We can bring the mariachi band that performed at Marcus's wedding, which was an amazing mariachi band. You should have seen Marcus dance. Oh, he danced. Watch him dance to that hat dance music. No one ever looked more comfortable. He loves it. He loves he it. He does. He really does. Well, Henry, All do right. you want to tell this story? Because this story makes me think of you, and I don't know why. It's the reenactor. I fucking hate you. He is, he is a <laughs> reenactor. True. We have the same face when I shave my beard. <laughs> Russia's, this is according to the Washington Post by Will England. Russia's greatest Napoleonic reenactor was found <laughs> drunk in a river with the severed arms of his lover in his backpack. Okay. Could we say this, though? Is it fair to say it's not his lover at this point? When you have someone's severed arms in a backpack as you're drunkenly swimming through a river, can you just say it's maybe his enemy at this point? Or, like, lover makes it seem like he was just like, I love you once, and I cut your arm off. I love you twice. It doesn't really, I don't know, explain. How do you get the arms in a backpack? Unfortunately, I think it's somebody's lovers that, it's always a lover that ends up armless in the river and the arms in the backpack. It's like oh. it's because you you can only love someone so much that you do that to them. Then you have you know to I mean? cut off their arms? I mean, just because you love them so goddamn much. Jeez. So Sunday was to have been a day when Oleg Sokolov in full Napoleonic costume would take it would take his life in spectacular fashion at St. Petersburg at St. Petersburg's Peter and Paul Fortress. Ooh. Because so he did these massive reenactments and it showed that he is a very important historian in Russia and he is the number one the number one Napoleon expert in the country. This guy he's but also like he's a he's a assistant history professor. Like he mm-hmm. is not just he's not just a reenactor. He's like a reliver of of history. You can tell. He's the type of guy that identifies with Napoleon a great deal. Which I mean I understand. I understand. We're all yes, we may be short of stature, but you're wise of sight. Sure. And just because yes, you can't see over the shoulders of some men, but using the stool of experience, I can see <laughs> past any horizon. 
right? But this dude, he flipped out. Instead, they found him in the Moika River, or the Moika River. Uh, he was hammered, and he had a backpack with his girlfriend's arms in it. His Jeez. girlfriend is 24 years old. He's 63 years old. So first of all, nice. I don't know Second if that, of all, that's not nice. He's, nice. That was, it's his student. He's a, he was the assistant professor, and it's one of his students' arms. I it's don't think his this student is good. that he that student got an upgrade to girlfriend. Oh my! And, and she was hanging out in the house, and apparently over an argument about his kids that are older than her, she got there. Something happened. He criticized the kids because he's a widower. All right. So first of all, he's a widower. So let's feel bad for him. I don't want to feel bad for him because he's he dismembered his girlfriend. No, it is bad. It's very, very bad. But then he shot her four times with a uh, shot-off shotgun, which he called a, a horrible accident. Well, how um, did, which no, just seems like it's not. It oh. seems like it's, that's that's not really. I mean, one time, one time's an accident. When, four times is a hobby. That's. I mean, yeah. When when Dick Cheney shot his friend in the face. And he had all the pellets oh, all over. Oh, that was a wish fulfillment. That was different. When he shot his friend in the face with a shotgun, he something that his finger would have been waiting to do since he was 12 years old. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those funny stories where Dick Cheney is such a maniacal maniac, his friend came on camera and asked for forgiveness from Dick Cheney for getting shot in the face by Dick Cheney. No, wait until one of us accidentally shoots the other. Like, we're going to have to do the same thing. Like, we're going to have to go into therapy. It's going to be very, it's going to be quote unquote innocent. Some BLs will be involved. We will be obviously some, a, a listener will hopefully take us out on some hunting expedition where you for, you lose your neon parka in the woods and then I shoot you thinking it's the, the first ever man deer. Oh, well, anyway, that'll be that will be a fun experience. I'm very excited for that uh, it, it for, will our, be. for our some kind of monster uh, documentary series when everyone yes. realizes that we're just weak old men now <laughs> yes, that have become so, so soft. We need therapy. Um, not that uh, therapy uh, is bad, but the tw- thank you for the backpedal. No thank problem. Backpedal. It's a 24 so story- year old Anastasia Yashenko. Yes. Anyway, I just want to say her name because she's the victim. Anastasia Yashenko, 24 years old. So apparently they got into an argument. He shot her four times with a shotgun, took the body, put it in another room, and then he had a party in the main living room. Like he had, he was throwing a big, you know, I guess a celebration. So I guess it was a hat party because he was going to dress up as Napoleon for the next fucking day. But then he went to realize he had to get rid of this body, so yeah. he took an axe and started to dismember her. Um, he Lord. chopped off her head and chopped off her arms, but apparently in the process of it, he felt like it was pretty gnarly, so he got pretty fucking hammered, and then either, in attempting using the arms in a backpack, he shoved him in the backpack, which is, again, like, I don't know, man. It's not a, it's not subtle. No, it's definitely not, but this guy was such a history nerd that evidently the way that he did it with the axe, it was, it paralleled Fedor Doshevsky's novel crime and punishment and Dostoevsky's what is it Dostoevsky Dostoevsky so it was like from a novel that's how he did it with an axe and people also compare it to the 1916 assassination of the mad monk Grigory Rasputin so he he was such a such a history nerd even in committing the worst thing a person can commit which is mass murder which is murder and dismemberment he still did it with cosplay in in his heart. He had cited sources Jeez. in the middle of murdering his girlfriend. And what apparently so he threw the 
bag with the arms that into the river. And then they believe that he either jumped in to try to smush it down because it wouldn't sink. Right. Or he fell in the river and was literally going, help, help, help. <laughs> like, that's how they found him is that he grabbed onto the side of a water taxi going, help, help. And they had to pull him up in there. And he's just like, I did a bad thing, my friend. And they he completely confessed. Aww. And they found her decapitated body with the head inside of the apartment. Just they're all bleeding out. This is not his first brush with the law. If, this but is apparently... It. No, apparently in Russia, nah, I'm not going to say it's a corrupt country. Uh-huh. There's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot going on in Russia. That's one way to put it, sure. Um, I mean, they got a lot of focuses. They're barely even running their country. They're trying to run ours, I guess. Who cares? Let them have it. Let them have America. I don't even give a shit. So in 2008, apparently a student that he also was dating, he... um. He did a little thing where he tied her to a chair and threatened to disfigure her with a hot iron. Jeez. But the police didn't do anything on the complaint because I guess he's a history professor. And the, the way tenure works over there, it not only keeps you from getting fired, but it also sort of keeps you from getting arrested. As a matter of fact, not only did the police not do anything, uh, domestic violence is not taken seriously whatsoever in Russia. And in no. 2017, they passed a law that softened penalties for first offenses. So in in Mother Russia, the it's not good to me a mother because evidently domestic violence isn't counted on like the list of bad things. And then, as a matter of fact, in 2017, they're like, we got to go easier on these people who just beat up their spouses. <laughs> They've had it hard for too long. Let them get a couple of shots in. Jeez. Let them get it out. Oh no! And then also Sokolov, he had been embroiled in a bitter plagiarism controversy. Uh, last year, and a guy accused him of ripping off his paper at a public at a public speech, like he was doing some presentation. And in response to the accusations, Sokolov jumped off the stage and started strangling the dude. <laughs> I think so this man he has a problem. Uh, he's Napoleon. Russia, he is like, he, but Napoleon, he is Napoleon. But at least Napoleon was like winning wars and doing things. Uh, well, he that got were it out. Him heroic. We got out because apparently he called her. His whole thing is that he called her. Uh, what's its putz? He called her Isabella, I believe, which is the name. He, he called her Isabel after one of the Bonapartes, which was one of Napoleon's most beloved. I believe that he died with Isabel's name while Ugh. in exile, like on his lips. Uh, but man. he insisted that she call him Sire. I, no, I lo- I'm looking at a picture of this guy. He's not a Sire. No, he doesn't deserve that. Also, according to Human Rights Watch, I actually didn't realize this, um, but one in five, only in, in 2011, they found that one in five Russian women have reported being the targets of domestic violence, but the group says, the rights group says, that's the Human Rights Watch, they say 70% of women just don't report it uh, if Jesus they are in Christ. a situation of domestic violence, because again, they just soften the law on their aggressor. So I guess it's, well, it's a already systemic hard problem to come there out. in Mother Russia. It's already hard to come out as a victim yeah. of abuse because, again, you have to be believed as a victim, and then also you have to d- deal with it's just so much horseshit yeah. that is piled on top of you already being abused, especially in a place like Russia where they particularly don't give a shit. Yep, as a matter of fact, it's it's legislated that they don't give a shit. Uh, well, so- you see that fish with a human face? What's that? 
You see that fish with a human face? I did see that fish with a human face. That was creepy. I don't know what's going on over there. It's also like they see, you know, the road rage videos are amazing. They have like weird animals in all those uninhabited woods of theirs. Russia's nuts. I would actually love to go and just see the depression. I, I want to go to Russia, honestly, very badly. I'd love to see it. Yes. I'd love to see what they could offer me for help in destabilizing our government. I'm, <laughs> I'll take it. Like, I'll take the money. I Honestly, I don't think it's that precious. I don't think any single government is that precious. So I would definitely come in. To just I just want to see what I can get out of it. If we could get a late-night hosting job on Russian television. Okay. I mean, honestly. I think we would have to speak Russian. Oh, I will fake it. Yeah, how so can corrupt. you fake it? Like you just fucking go, it's gonna be good, it's gonna be good, and they'll put the subtitles in, telling the country that we're saying things that are real. Yeah, like pro Putin things. Yeah. Um, so anyway, sometimes be careful with your cosplay because sometimes you take it a little too far, and you have to remember you're not Iron Man, you're not really a billionaire. Well, so if you actually do something that hurts someone, you don't got the money to defend yourself like Tony Stark does. You don't. You uh, don't. But I will say, Kurt Vonnegut put it correctly with the, be careful who you pretend to be, because you are. We are who we pretend to be. Oh, Kurt Vonnegut, he's so brilliant. He's so smart. Oh, my God, Henry, this is the best first date ever. I can't believe you brought up Vonnegut. I love yeah, Vonnegut. Yeah, I bet you can't Jamie off tonight, you big, beautiful <laughs> woman. All right. Well, let's move on. Now, this story, I this is more of a critique of media. I do not understand why every single headline about this man's death has to involve <laughs> what happened post-mortem. So this is from, this is a local Fox 8 Cleveland article, but there's a bunch of articles and the majority mention vultures. This is the way the article is written. Decomposed body of Seinfeld actor Charles Levin was found partially eaten by vultures. <laughs> why include, why, why bother? Why bother with like, if you're the family member of this man, like, you're like, thank you for the graphic information right up top. At least as an actor, he they put the credits first. That's a good That's point. That's nice. So, Seinfeld actor eaten by vultures is incredible. Yeah. Because, they, unfortunately, it just makes me think of Jason Alexander... And being nothing but bones, <laughs> which is that's so sad about this article is that they put Seinfeld in there and I'm not even thinking of him. No. I hear see Seinfeld. First thing that pops in my mind, Jason Alexander, because George Constanza is obviously my spiritual favorite. Really? Then I c- cuts to a clip of Kramer saying the N word, screaming that that <laughs> video. That's the next level of it. Really? Then I think of Jerry Seinfeld. Um, in the fancy cars with his stupid ass show, yeah, the, the, the comedians co- in cars yeah, getting, getting coffee, getting him talking coffee. to other rich people, and he can't understand how what normal people do anymore. Right, right. And then I think of Elaine Bennett. I honestly, I I'm thinking, if I have to say who my spirit animal is, it's a combination of Elaine and Kramer. I like I like Elaine because she's spunky, she's fun, but she also has a lot going on intelligently. Do you really Kramer, see yourself as the word? Do you really see yourself as the word spunky? I'm spunky. You have gout. You, it's, you, well, as soon yeah, as you, you only have get, gout, you get gout by by having spunk. No, op- opposite. It's the opposite. I say gout is. I would say is almost the medicinal lack of spunk. No, 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 no. That's not. It's the king's disease. No, because and what kings, do kings are not have? Spunky. Did you ever see King Ralph? He had spunk. That's John not, Goodman. That's not spunk. Spunk to me is like. I don't know. It's technically closer to a Zoe Deschanel. It's closer to a adorkable. 
Mm. I would never call you a dorkable. I'd call you a drunkable. <laughs> uh, you know when I'm at the casino? That's spunk. Oh. Ugh, you're just sitting in a pile of it. Yeah, indeed. Well, anyway, and then I'm, well, you I'm wacky, yeah, then I'm wacky these... like Kramer. You don't think but I'm Elaine and Kramer. You don't think that? I would never call you spunky or wacky. You are not spunky or wacky. You're not Dave Coulier. I'm the you're wackiest, not in that world. I am the wackiest guy you know. No, you're technically somewhere between, and I don't mean to say this harshly, but Smog the Dragon from The Hobbit and Wilson from Home Improvement. I'd put you in that category. Wow. Wow. Well, anyway, Seinfeld actor Charles Levin, he's dead. And uh, so how did it happen? I know a lot of And if you don't recognize the name, you'll recognize the face. Do a Google image search. You'll find yourself a little Charles Levin. And uh, so he's 70 years old. His car broke down. He was moving from one apartment to another apartment in Oregon or maybe house. I'm not sure how well he was doing. Car broke down. He went to get some help. Fell down a hill. Long story short, then he's eaten by vultures. Jesus Christ. And his dog was in the back of the car. And the dog's name, what was the dog's name? Boo-boo bear. The dog's name was Boo-boo bear. <laughs> and it was a pug. And he's dead too. This story sucks. He was. He did a lot of, he played a lot of TV host, TV reporter. Yep. Um, Levin was known for playing the molehole on the Briss episode of Seinfeld. Ah, okay. And he also played Coco the gay cook on the pilot of the Golden Girls. Oh, there it is. But they cut the part. Well, uh, authorities say he got that sad. That's the life of an actor. Um, This is brutal. The number one thing that comes up when you Google his name is Charles Levin picked apart by vultures. I know. That's the main credit now. Apparently, authorities believe he got lost on uh, on his way to his new home. And this is a quote accidentally succumbed to the elements. I don't Jeez. know if it's on accident. He just succumbed to the elements. He just succumbed to nature. But I guess it you wasn't on purpose. I would say it is it is technically accidental. It's not like the it's not like Liette Keynes in the Dune books who was just murdered by the desert. They just left him out there to show how how yes, you may think you have the arrogant belief that you have control over the planet, but actually in the end, the planet is just giving you permission to live there. I cannot believe you think I'm like Mr. Wilson from Dennis the Menace? No, 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 no. Wilson from Home Improvement. From Tool Time. But you don't even see no, his face. No, Tool Time is the... But I mean, but technically he's filled with wisdom. And he's a big guy. He can see over that fence. Okay. All right. All right. I'll, I could I'll see over the fence. I, I just feel like I'm a little wackier than that. I'm a little wacky. I, I Wacky is, is something else. Wacky is another type of X factor. You have to be more cartoony. Wacky, the closest people that i think the only closest people that i know to us do wacky what i would say maybe is hold of mcneely but mm. he also edges towards squiggly evil <laughs> cruel and wet <laughs> so he but he is still closest to wacky all right well let's do hero of the week shall we do that henry Sure, I mean, unless you want to, unless you want to talk about the woman who got sprayed with a bucket of hot diarrhea, but I think that's oh, the entire story. My goodness. Well, what? Okay, so okay. Well, you mentioned it. So before we get to hero of the week, there's a local news program in Los Angeles highlighting all of the 
crimes that the homeless population are committing on people who are trying to go about their daily lives. And one of these crimes was a woman was she uh, got pulled from her car right. into the middle of the street. She was barking at dude something. And then a homeless man pulled her to the middle of the street, then poured a bucket of hot diarrhea all over her, which is also <sighs> like, that's a lot of forethought. It is a lot. And also, it must have been freshly made if it was still hot. And I Which think is, again, and if you're from Los Angeles, you really appreciate the locally sourced diarrhea. Yeah. That it wasn't <laughs> sent in from a migrant family. It wasn't ch- ch- trucked in from China. Right. It was made in the streets of L.A., right. which is important. Micro-brewed in the belly of a homeless man. Oh, ready to be served But that's served really the entire story. That's it? That's the whole story? I- I don't think that, I mean, I'm not saying she deserved it, but no. in the end, it just comes down to it. I, I'll i say this. As a citizen of Los Angeles, and this is unfair, all right, maybe this is more of a Satanist view, mm. but I am glad that in this case, it was done to someone else because it is cut down on the percentages that it will be done to me. <laughs> That is, yeah, that is very, that's very uh, libertarian of you. You're thinking about yourself first. Okay. No, it was, it was traumatizing, that poor woman. I can't even imagine what it's like to just, you, you wake up and then you're like, ah, today's a day. It's uh, not perfect. It's just a day. Go about your business. And then at some point, a bucket of diarrhea gets dumped on your head. It's just got to be, I wouldn't even know if I would be angry. I would just be in such shock. Well, I would just... That's life. That's what I would say. <laughs> That's what the people say. Like, I... Uh, you know, again, it's it's. there's a little micro lesson in there, right? What? What is the micro lesson? S- stay in the present. Enjoy the present. Because you don't know what your future holds for you. Yeah, you don't know when a homeless man's going to dump a bucket of diarrhea on you your head. You don't, but also fight to the... Fight. Fight them. Don't get into the supplicant position. I'm again. I'm not blaming the woman. No, for being covered in I don't think that she even knew that they are. But it's hard to fight someone when you don't know that you're about to be in a poo poo battle. Yeah, you don't exactly. think it's going to happen to you, and then when it does happen to you, it's too late when you got the poo. It misses that house, and it misses that house, and it comes right after you. That's from Twister. Ah, interesting. In this case, a poo poo nado. All right. Well, yeah. let's go on. Let's go on to Hero of the Week. Jack is the goddamn motherfucking hero of the week. So this one, now this is a story that I know Henry, if he could switch places to with one person this week, it might be this week's hero. Michigan. No, it'll be Bradley Cooper. With Bradley Cooper? Yeah, just to check, just to check it out. You've or never, man, just ever, be able to you, slap some bass with Jeremy Renner at his top of the line recording studio at the Hawkeye Mansion. Was it Black Hawk? What's his name? Hawkeye. Hawkeye. Yeah, he's one he of the worst the, superheroes because all he does is like uh, he's he's good with the bow. He's like Jason Voorhees. He's the he's the one that's in the closet. I don't even of I all of the superheroes. Just be openly gay. I'm not quite sure. No, well, Jeremy Renner is on is on the down low. But he he sucks the dicks of so many bass players in there. 
playing the bass in there and he yeah. gets to watch it and he goes like sweet riff jazz because he calls his friends jazz jazz one through seven really and each one of them gets a turn he's like you guys want a renter and they're like what's that mean he's like i put peanut butter in the back of your balls of your fucking asshole <laughs> and i i lick it clean it's like oh. it's an ice cream scoop well, they're like oh that. this That's is great a, that is a superfood peanut butter is a superfood full of protein uh by the way we learned this in washington dc as well i talked about this on abe lincoln's top at mike pence's boyfriend works at the state department do you think that he's got a regular, or it's not just like a bunch of like a harem of boys that are immediately folded into Hollywood? I think that he's got a regular. I mean, he is still a conservative. I think he's just got one on the DL, hanging out, got him a job at the State Department. He probably That's hangs good- out with Lindsey Graham's boy. And I don't know. They just go have a lot of fun hanging out, talking about uh, bingo. Honestly, I don't know. when you're with Mike Pence, when he gets to be gay, I imagine he's a blast. Maybe. Maybe. I bet he flips. I bet he is like wearing like clogs and he's wearing yeah, like but- a serapi. Like it's like one of those, like a sun hat, like kind of like Nathan Lane in uh, in the birdcage. I don't know. I could also see Mike Pence going. To- we'll get to the hero in a second. I could see Mike Pence going totally the opposite direction. Full on violent BTK meets the dad from uh, Children Under the Stairs or People Under the Stairs. Full gimp suit, whips, chains. And, like, the safe word, you have to say it 30 he's, times, and then finally he'll stop. He definitely has, like, a spanking thing because he, he's definitely constantly punishing himself for being gay under the eyes of his fake guy. He calls his wife mommy. <laughs> okay. Michigan man fends off intruder with what? With a battle axe. <laughs> All right. Evidently, there was blood everywhere. The guy's name is Ben Ball, and he uh, he used a replica battle axe to chop through an intruder. That intruder was a 33-year-old named Alex Laval Rawls, who is facing a first-degree home invasion. So Ball, he has been wanting to do this for a long time. He's like, come into my place. I dare you to come into my place. He's got this replica battle axe that he calls, quote, his baby. (laughs) And he used it. So I don't know if he sleeps with it, feeds it out of his nipple. I have no idea. But he used it at 11.30 p.m. This dude rolls. He showed up at his apartment thinking no one was there. And all of a sudden, he was repeat. So he repeatedly knocked on the door. He said the door opened. And this is what Ball Ball told Wood TV. It's literally Wood TV. Uh, He says the door (laughs) opened. I grabbed the axe. Then step, step, hit. He just got so into it. He was so happy to do this. It's important to practice your self-protection modes inside of your home. Kenny Choi, the actor I did with Wolf of Wall Street, incredibly fucking talented dude, he explained to me that he run drills with this taser that he had in his nightstand where he'd run hmm. drills where he, so he knows no matter how drunk he gets or whatever happens in the middle of the night, if he's stabbed awake, his body moves into muscle memory, grabs a taser, zip, 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 immediately. Very strong. Got to Very strong. And this guy, Ben Ball, the picture of him. Did you see the picture of him, Henry? Yes. He is so classic. This is definitely a man who has a battle axe. He's got a long beard. He's he's got a goofy little hat on. He is. (laughs) This is why everyone's like, oh, nerd, you're a nerd. You like you like uh, medieval stuff. Do not mess with people who are fascinated by the medieval time period because obviously they love everything that is wrong with humanity. Every he day looks with like- people getting tortured, people getting that's when every invention just involved how to better kill someone. He looks like a steampunk waiter. <laughs> 
Which, again, I think that's a great idea. Yes. So immediately the door opens. Uh, uh, ben Ball, he struck the intruder at least once in the torso with the sharp blade before the two continued to fight in the apartment. According to Ball, there was there was a it, there was a bloody mess everywhere. The suspect fled the violent affair, leaving a trail of blood. That's when the canine officers. Uh, that's what the canine officers, those little doggos. That's how they were able to find him. He spent the night in the hospital recovering. Ball says he sometimes he sometimes participates in events when he's not working, and I don't know if you knew this, Henry. When he's not working at at, at Applebee's, so Ben Ball literally is a yes. steampunk waiter. Yes. He works at Applebee's, and then he does fake combat, and in this case, it turned into real combat. This is dude. What, this is what Ball had to say. He said, I've got a double-headed carbon steel battle axe that was homemade by a gentleman who has since passed. That's why I call that's what I call my baby. So don't mess with your waiter at Applebee's because you never know. Good work to this <laughs> nerd getting out there showing that our nerd behaviors can branch out into real life actual skills. It shows so. that all of the training that he put in. That's Technically training him with the size 42 pants on swinging around in battle axe inside of his own home. That is what. So don't let anybody fucking tell you yeah. that you shouldn't have commemorative swords or decorative <laughs> swords. You can have that Gandalf stick in your house and yep. use it because, it again, you never know when you're going to need it in an emergency. You never know. You never know. And it's um, important to be very aware of these weapons and know their actual capabilities. All right. Ben Balls. You're hero of the week. Good job, buddy. Good good work. Way to protect your castle. That's what you do, buddy. Put your life uh. on the line, buddy. <laughs> this podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with Horse picks. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents' accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders... I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. 
And Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly, you know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at four o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right, I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right, my job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. Oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I don't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. All right. Uh, so I have a couple of responses. I want to read a couple of audience. I want to keep a, read a couple of listener letters. We have some really interesting responses to our questions from last last week's episode about Haddon Clark. Yes. So if you hadn't listened to this series, I'd say go ahead and check it out. I, w- I was very happy with our work on this series. This guy is endlessly fascinating. To me. Yep. And last week we asked the question of... Now, Haddon Clark, at the while in jail, 
had this habit of <clears throat> stringing up sausages in his cell so they would grow moldy, yep. and then he'd eat them and have furious diarrhea and vomiting <sighs> issues, right? Yes. And then he would take food and pack it inside of a milk carton until it got fucking rancid <sighs> for, like, weeks on end, and then he'd drink it, and then he'd throw up, and he'd shit everywhere, <laughs> right? It's oh, rough. poor Selly. So we asked some poor Jesus Christ to Selly. Yeah, yeah. So we asked our listeners if anybody had any feedback about what does this behavior illustrate. We got some, we got two great responses yep. that I wanted to read. So number one, this comes from Jay. I'm a clinical psych doctoral student in Rochester, New York, and I think I might have a guess as to why Hatton did the seemingly disgusting things he did. In object relations theory, essentially a theory that describes your problems as being related to your relationship with adults when you were a child, mm. a person's behavior can be labeled in three main categories, whole ego, anti-libidinal, and libidinal. An anti-libidinal behavior, when someone views themselves as bad because their parents were overly critical or demanding, the individual abuses others and themselves in a way to project their sense that they, themselves, are no good. Hmm. In neglected or abused children, these negative external behaviors can manifest in all sort of ways. One example I tend to think of is a child in a play therapy case study who would blow mucus out of his nose and rub it all over his face while growling at the therapist whenever he would get too emotionally close to the therapist. Ooh. It's the child's way of saying, don't get too close to me, I'm no good and you won't like me. In Haddon's case, this is a vulnerable man projecting his negative views about himself into the world, probably in an attempt to protect himself from the dangerous environment of prison. So he does things that are disgusting and quote-unquote hardcore to send the message that everyone had better stay far away from him. Right. Okay. Right. And we've talked about that before. When it comes to prison, do you just wear a, dooku hat, a dookie hat on the day one? Do you just start playing with your own turds? Because like, you do have to act crazy. In many you gotta ways, act crazy. to go. I mean, when Jeffrey Dahmer went to prison, although I don't think he needed help acting he crazy, he needed help. But well, he but leaned then, way in. Remember that stuff? He would like be like, "I'm gonna eat you," like all that kind of. Like he leaned into being a cannibal. But he did that in prison. Then, meanwhile, was doing like heavy therapeutic, pudic work with his family, which is very interesting mm -hmm. because you remember the whole book that his father wrote. Yeah. Where so he was still living his two lives, like most secure, most serial killers love to do. They love the idea of being several people at once so that no one can put a pin on them. Right. So here's another one from Kay. First, I should clarify, I'm not a psychologist, but they are a therapist. I often work with reentry population. So here are some thoughts. There are several reasons why someone incarcerated may engage in behaviors that mo most would consider alarming. To get the best to get the best answer on why Haddon Clark was keeping and eating rotten food, one should ask him directly and assess the answer. Sure. Without access to this, here are some general common reasons. One, stimulation. Incarceration often provides a lack of stimulation, and prisoners may resort to unusual means to get it. Mm. Those with better coping skills will usually find less disturbing means, but those who are more vulnerable, or even those with significant time to serve, may struggle to do so. Two, increasing autonomy, sense of control. As a prisoner, I might not have a choice on something as basic to my autonomy as choosing when I eat, sleep, talk, etc. Keeping food, a decision, and seeing it rot, a concrete result of my mm. actions, will increase my sense of control. Three, social impact. These behaviors may drive people away, which we talked about. Four, resolving boredom. I may have to stare at the same wall every day, but watching food rot is something that would potentially be very different and unpredictable each day. Tasting the food can be further entertainment, going back to the point on simulation. Oh, my, I mean, honestly, thank you so much for both of those letters. Really informative. I guess when you are watching the same wall, you're seeing the same paint chips chip off that same wall, watching a gallon of food rot, 
is like your version of home improvement. It's yeah, very I mean, exciting. It's, you got you got your main characters in there. You got a wacky neighbor that's just a rotting hamburger. I tell you what, it's more informative than the presidential debates. Come on, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, guys. <laughs> right for Jay Leno. Absolutely correctly, uh, correctly accurate. That's a term. Um, and I want to write. I want to read this letter because it came from a discussion we had about Mall Santas, and I thought it was very illuminating. This this letter is uh <laughs> yes i this love this letter <laughs> this letter is entitled i wish i was a mall santa <laughs> there's a hierarchy of santas at the top of the chain is the performing santa the ones you see at the lamest of all the christmas shows at every indian casino in the american west below them are the santas at things like the dickens fair or the various christmas parades where you don't have to actually interact with the feckless children of the world. Uh-huh. I honestly will also put, this is Henry Zabrowski speaking, I would put the Santa of the Macy Day's Parade is like the president of Santa's then. Oh, I think so. That's a huge gift for a Santa. That's a huge gift. Yeah. Below the people, below the, the fair Santas, there's mall Santas. Now, the gap between those first two and the mall Santa is cavernous, but they are <laughs> not the basement of the spectrum. That would be the visiting Santa, and I was one of them. The visiting Santa would typically be the fattest guy working for the city of Santa Clara, and that was me. And you'd get dressed up about 5 a.m. for the week before Christmas, and you'd make a stop every hour at a children's hospital or a preschool or any other depressing place within city limits. You'd show up. They would invariably give you the ricketyest chair in the place. And the sick kids, they were all sick kids, would sit on your lap and tell you the dreams to not have cancer or spina bifida or some shit. Oh, the reason why us touring Santas were a step below mall Santas? Well, the first sign was that for every kid, they always put down these plastic mats down on your lap to prevent the fluids seeping out of these. Oh. He says the term brats. I'm going to say that they are, they are sick children. Yeah, they're just sick children. They this are guy just is sick children, but it's brutal. I understand Santa. that this is brutal. Yeah. The mats were never big enough to prevent the inevitable staining from the pre-coffin liquor that was on constant drip out of these kids. This man seems like a very grumpy Santa. I don't know what he's talking. These these are cancer kids. (laughs) Mall Santas get breaks, which was actually designed to get the lines back up, which increases traffic overall. And they get paid about 50% more than the touring Santas. There's actually a Santa Facebook group, and when I mentioned that I'd done the touring Santa thing, the mall Santas on the group all treated me like that poor dumb bastard who tore the tour of the deepest shit with Charlie, shooting at him while they've been assigned to stateside duty, shaving new recruit heads. Oh my, I don't know how this guy got a job being any kind of Santa. Merry fucking Christmas. Merry Christmas It indeed. has begun. I don't know if you've noticed it, but the holiday season has begun, Kessel. Oh, my God. I was just on uh, on Instagram, and one of my friends, they already have their entire apartment decorated. They got a Christmas tree and everything. What's going on here? May they be buried with a stock of holy in their hearts. I don't understand. You know what, man? We've said this before. I'm not going to be a curmudgeon this year. I'm not a curmudgeon any year. I'm happy. I'm wild. I'm wacky. Stop uh, saying you're wacky. I am a you're wacky, not wacky. Guy. I honestly think that Haddon Clark is wacky. Hmm. Okay. But we don't know what Mr. Wilson did. We don't know what Wilson did before he became the neighbor that looks over the fence. He may have just been, he may have been a no, DJ in a roller rink. He was a sniper in Vietnam. Ah, uh, that's why. And then Mr. Rogers. Yeah. That, I think they know, debunked that about Mr. Rogers, though. I don't think he was a sniper. I think they said he had like 75 kills or something, which would be pretty sweet. 
That would actually be very interesting. But anyway, um, and I have a, I have one little other story I want to read because we're getting back into we're getting back into aliens real soon. We have a we have a relaxed fit coming up this week, but the week after that we're getting back into UFOs. So Woo! I want to read this people to get people back in the mood. I have a situation at home that I honestly don't know who to reach out to. So naturally, with Henry being a member of MUFON, I thought, why not reach out to you guys? My son is two years old. And ever since he was eight months old, he was able to say a few words. He has insisted that an owl has been in his room at night. Hmm. In the beginning, he would just make the owl sound and point to his ceiling. But more recently, he has been saying owl while pointing at his ceiling and moving his finger around like a propeller. So we ask him, helicopter, which he responds with a frustrated, no, every time. He then makes the owl noises and hits himself on the forehead while making a scared whining noise. Jeez. I then asked him, does the owl hurt you? And he nods. This is terrifying. I want to press my son for more answers, but his speech is obviously still limited and it frightens him to talk about it. We have, a vid- we have a video monitor in his room, and I work second shift, so I'm up and viewing the monitor till about 5 a.m. with nothing weird occurring on film. Part of me wants to just shake the thoughts away, channel my dad, and assume it's nothing. But years ago, I watched this silly, real fake, 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 real docu-movie called The Fourth Kind with Mia Jovovich. Of course, which I remember. It's a great movie. Yeah. Granted, that movie was garbage. I disagree. I thought it was fun. Yeah. But they did say that it was like a documentary, but it was not, or based off real events, it definitely was not. But it's a commutation of real events. But after a quick Google search, I found that there's a massive theory of people seeing owls at night in their rooms, only later to find out through hypnosis that they have been, they've had an abduction experience rooted deep in their brains, Uh-oh. which I have heard about very much. It was Whitley Strieber wrote about this. So this is very interesting. I, owls are connected to UFOs and greys quite often. So, I mean, that's haunting shit. Yeah. That's very scary. It's a scary reason. It's a scary thing about having a kid. That is horrifying. I mean, kids are, they're, they're bringing everything into the house. Oh, you got to duct tape them down. You got to duct tape them down. Got to duct tape them down. Absolutely. All right. Well, thank you all so much for those great letters. And again, you can always email us at sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. That's sidestorieslpotl at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, we always love getting the emails, and thank y'all so much. Thank y'all. We got uh, the Adult Swim Festival that is yeah. coming up this Saturday. We will be there uh, doing what? Good question. No idea. Uh, we will be boring the people waiting for electronica music and the hip-hop people. Yeah, I mean, I think that we're doing it like at 4.40 in the afternoon, and then come to that, but then afterwards stay because there's some kick-ass, there's hip-hop, crazy bands, all and this kind of shit. People I've never, I've technically, I've not heard of a one of them. No, I haven't heard of anyone. Ed Larson, he's our go-to music guy. Except Deathlock is performing, which is fucking sweet. That's great. And so I'm going to go. I'm going to be cool. I'm going to be hip. I'm going to be hip. like Dr. I'm going to be like um, Austin. Which one? Dr. Choose um, one. Choose evil. one. You're going to be like Dr. Evil? <laughs> You're just doing the same. This is We've talked about how Austin Powers is just four jokes done yep. over an hour and a half. That's it. Well, I'm going to have a lot of fun. We still got tickets for a Buffalo show on the 23rd, so check that out. Also, we might be releasing some more tickets for our New Orleans show. Yes. And I want to, a couple announcements for the New Orleans show. Please wear costumes if, the, if you sell C-Fit. Because it'll yeah. be a lot of fun. And we're going to be getting some audience footage. And it'll be awesome if you made 
the live show because once it, like we'd love to have a feature you on the live show. It'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. We, we 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 uh we went over some notes uh yesterday with the director of the live show and that was the big note was we want more audience participation. So yes, dress up as a serial killer, as an alien, as whatever the hell you want to dress up as and uh, just have fun with it. Yeah, it'd be fun as shit. And next week we also have a very big announcement coming that you we will be telling you all about next week. Yep, absolutely. We'll keep you all informed and we'll go on this crazy ride. We'll continue to be on it all together. Uh, so, yep, we'll see everyone very, very soon. Portland, Maine, Northampton, Buffalo, and then December 5th, we're in Toronto. December 6th, we're in Detroit. December 7th, we're in Columbus. And then December 13th, the last show of the year, we are filming our special, New Orleans. So come on out for that. And thanks Man, to everyone. My liver who- is already tired. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm already flashing uh, my breasts for for drinks and beads and things like that. Ugh. It's great. You get a ticket now. You do? The whole city's really changed, man. No kidding. Really, really changed. So live your life like you're just running errands and you don't know you're about to be pulled from your car oh. and getting a hot load of steamy fucking <laughs> ass milk poured all over you. And then I want you to, to love knowing that currently you are not covered with the worm and corn riddled <sighs> feces of a man who only smokes cigarettes and drinks Ripple and eats whatever he can find or is given to him, you're not covered in that. So you just laugh. You laugh knowing it. And you know what? (laughs) If you are covered in a man's full-on duke, you kind of got to love it. Because in the end, if you're having problems, you know what? Your enemies can't get close to you. And then you're going to find out who your real friends are. Because only they will help you get the streaks of that juice out of your hair. Yeah. Only real friends. And that's how you'll know who your real friends are. That's a great friend test. Absolutely. Speaking of great friends, thanks to everyone again who came out to Washington, D.C. We're going to keep on doing live side stories and uh, we're going to continue to. Um, they're going to get better. They're going to get better. I mean, not that this show was bad, but they're going to get better. Oh, we didn't even talk about the fact that we talked about Natalia and Dr. Phil the entire time the last time, and she's a liar. She is an adult. Natalia she's is an adult. 95 years old. She's 95 I think, years old. I think she's a solid 40. I think, I think so think also. Um, all right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Hail yourselves. Hail Satan. Magustalations. Hail me. Indeed. All right, buddy. That was That was a lot of fun. Yeah, man. Remember, you got to suck that dick, because ain't no one going to suck it for you, man. Well, I don't know. That's, I'm not sure. This show is made possible by listeners like you. Thanks to our ad sponsors. You can support our shows by supporting them. For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to lastpodcastnetwork.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider. 
and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 bacon bundle. White Castle, follow your crave.